Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Edgy talk, brain talk, unrivaled talk, Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Online on DAB Plus, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. I'm back. That's right. And uh, look at what's going on. Uh, the Russians have fired a missile at Poland. Oh, no, they haven't. It turns out the Ukrainians might have fired the missile. It wasn't the Russians after all. And all those people at the G20 in Bali are saying uh, there's no need for NATO to get involved. Not that easy to understand. We'll try and make sense of it. Donald Trump is apparently running for president, even though uh, the Republican Party doesn't want him to. Maybe he'll run as an independent. Maybe. We'll be talking to Sebastian Gorka, who was down at Mar-a-Lago last night uh, as the announcement was made. We're also going over to Florida Live to cover uh, the launch of another space rocket, which has gone up into uh, the moon's orbit. That's all very exciting. John Rental uh, is here. He's going to talk, look ahead tomorrow's uh, to the budget statement, which is going to be made by Jeremy Hunt. We think it could be quite a long one. And it's during this show, so we may have to take some uh, evasive measures to make sure that we don't bore everybody to death as Jeremy Hunt takes the knife and starts slashing away at any money you might have and taking it all for himself. We shall see. Uh, But there's a lot to be talking about. Piers Morgan's going to be here as well. Uh, His interview with Ronaldo, exclusive interview with Ronaldo, airs tonight, of course. We'll be talking to him not only about that, but also about Donald Trump and also about last night where he presented his show uh, from a pub in Matt Hancock's constituency. The pub was called The Cock Inn, um, and it was a very, very fascinating look at what people in his constituency think of him being in I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Loads more to do as well, of course. Those three, four, 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 nine, nine, one. As if that wasn't enough, we've got Prime Minister's questions today uh, with Dominic Raab, a man uh, who has been accused of being um, a bit curt with people. Apparently you can't be curt with people anymore in the civil service because it upsets them. I don't know what that means. Uh, we'll be talking about that, plus much, much else besides. 0344 499 1000 is the number. It's good to be back. Uh, there's a lot of news to talk about. Uh, let's do it. You know when you take a few days off and you come back and uh, not much has changed? It was pouring down with rain this morning. I took a little video and put it out on Twitter asking whether the hosepipe ban was still in place. Apparently it is. Uh, the World Cup's coming up as well this week. This weekend, I think. I haven't seen any England flags flying. I don't know whether that's because nobody's going to watch it, whether people don't like Qatar. Let's talk to John Rental and bring some sense and order to the place because <laughs> it all morning, seems to have Mike. spun out of control. I've only been away since Friday. Welcome Came back, back last night. Um, I can report to you that the automatic e-gates at Heathrow Airport were working perfectly. Brilliant. Um, so there was no queuing of any kind. So um, something in the public sector actually yeah, works. Yeah, and I was actually quite surprised because given that it was Border Force, I presume, who was standing around there, it all looked quite efficient. I even oh. I didn't lose any bags or anything. You know, the bags that I checked, I was able to pick up and get home. So, yeah, all was well with the world. Brilliant. So, well, let's start with, shall we start with Jeremy Hunt, or shall we start with Rishi Sunak in China? Well, well I think it's. I, I think we should pay pay tribute to, to Rishi Sunak, who spread his calm, soothing balm of, of reasonableness and, uh, and normality over yeah. politics, because everything seems to have slowed down slightly, and we can catch our breath. Well, you say that, but, I mean, there was almost a third world war last night, and people thought Russia <laughs> would attack Poland, and then Donald Trump suddenly <laughs> decides he's going to run for president. I mean, I yeah, wouldn't call, we, we wouldn't call it calm. We knew Donald Trump was going to say that. 
Uh, well, MC- do you know, I thought when I, cause I was in America, right? And so talking to some people over there, quite a lot of Republicans that I know um, who seem to have had enough of him and yeah. a bit fed up with him and were saying that they hoped he wouldn't run. Yeah. So I wondered, because of what happened in, in the midterms, whether he might take that on board well, and decide, actually, if I can't win it, maybe I shouldn't bother. But he's gone the other way. No, I mean, he wants to run because he wants to be the centre of attention. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean he is actually going to going to be on the ballot. Uh, yes, no, it, I agree with that. When it comes to it, I, I mean, agree with John, that. John Bolton said, you know, he'll 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 run, he'll make a lot of noise, he'll raise a lot of money, uh, he'll be the centre of attention, yeah. but then he'll pull out. And he also might even, um, in in some way, um, influence policy. He might he might get well, the Republicans to understand that if they don't go down a particular route, then they will not get support. Absolutely. Well, that's what he'll be trying to do. Um, I'm not sure he's very interested in policy. He's only interested in himself. Um, but and and his leverage on the uh, on the Republican Party is severely diminished yes. by the result of the midterms. And do you think there's a chance that he might run as an independent if he doesn't get the nomination? I think that's that's very unlikely. Mm. I mean, if you look at what happened the last time, there was a, a big independent, Ross Perot. Yeah, uh, I was there for that. Yeah, um, but I mean, and it didn't. There's just no way an independent, it's very independent can break through. It's unless, very difficult. Unless the, the t- one of the two main parties mm. has a very, very weak candidate. Yes. But and I take your point about Rishi Sunak, because a lot of people have, have been sort of opining that at least it's it's away from the kind of chaos that was uh, that was Boris Johnson's, you know, hallmark whenever he would go abroad. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you can't really compare it to Liz Truss because she was only there for a million and a half. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, she caused quite a lot of chaos did, in the time. I mean, I mean, she did. She was sort of bullied a china shop like, wasn't she? she was yeah. Like smashing everything up. Absolutely. And she and she provides provides Rishi Sunak with the wonderful excuse for almost anything. He can say he can he can say, well, it's, yeah. you know, it was all. That was all the fault of the, the previous short-lived administration, and I'm yes. here to put it right. But, of course, the other problem for the ordinary people who are listening to this show and watching it today on Talk TV is it's all very well saying normality has returned. But here we are with a Prime Minister who spent most of his time in the last two weeks away. You yeah. know, he went to Egypt for COP27 when he said he wasn't going to. He's now in Bali for G20, yeah. and he hasn't met with China. So, apart from glaring at Sergei Lavrov, I'm not sure what he's achieved, <laughs> well, if anything. Well, he did, he did he? meet uh, Joe Biden, and uh, people... People like to see our Prime Minister meeting And did the, Joe manage to get his name right, or did he call him Rashid Sanuk? <laughs> <laughs> eh? I mean, you know. We, we, yeah, but watch, you we know, but what, what good is that to us, though, as, as, a, as an individual sort of set of people in a country which is under bigger inflation now than they've ever seen, well, uh, which he is was, under a cost of living crisis? I'm told we're running out of eggs as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Prime Minister was trying to, to, to turn that corner this morning, yes. saying, saying that he's totally focused on, uh, on, on our problems with inflation. Um, yeah, except from, he's got a problem Bali. there as well, but, hasn't I mean, he? But, he's got but, a problem there, though, hasn't he? Because he's been telling people, depending on who's interviewing him, that his number one priority is either A, the migrants, or B, the economy, or three, uh, the cost of living. No, well, the economy and the cost of living, one thing. He's focused on that, and, and, he, and, he, and he always says that the, the, that the channel boats is the, is the next most important thing. Yeah, on but it depends where he's spends- being interviewed, because there is an actual, you know... A record of him saying three different things to three different uh, media outlets. So he's clearly yeah, these are, playing the game. Yeah, but these are these are details, Mike. These well, are the these sort, are facts, these John. Are sort of, these are facts. No, no. But what I'm saying is that they're the sort of you know he said, she said. You know, people trying to trying to spot the differences between two yeah, different statements but, but, at two different times. Yeah, but I mean, it's if not you, if it's you not actually, the same as the chaos. No, of the, of the well, no, it's not. But, but that doesn't matter because that's all in the past, right? So now we we focus on what we are looking yeah. on. You know, my f- main focus is Rishi Sunak. Okay, now. I'm not going to contradict myself and say something different when you ask me what my main focus is, whereas Rishi Sunak says his main focus is either public services or the economy or migrants, depending on who's interviewing him. He's the one that's made those words. I'm not sure. that I. I, Well, I am sure. When I've heard him, he said that the the, the economy, and he's spending most of his time on the autumn statement and the economy and the the channel comes comes next. But at the moment, he's in Bali, not talking to China. No. And what's he doing exactly? Well, he's talking to a lot of a lot of world leaders, and you know you'd expect him to be talking talking uh, to other countries about coordinated uh, econ- economic um, measures and all the rest of it. I mean, he says he's focused on on inflation. Yeah. The biggest problem. Yeah, but I'm asking the question. Energy but I'm asking the question on behalf of my readers, listeners, viewers, whatever you want to to, yeah. to, to categorise people who watch all of this as. And the point is, is that he's not doing much for the people of this country well, at the moment. He, well, wait a minute, Mike. He's, he's got the, he's got the autumn statement tomorrow, and that's well, that's, that's going to be, be very the helpful, most important. That's going to be the most important thing. Well, of course, it's going to be helpful because it's going to it it, it is aimed at uh, trying to trying to keep uh, interest rates. Uh, lower. But interest so rates are going to go, go up down. because inflation's just gone up again. 
So the whatever he does tomorrow, yeah. the interest rates are likely to go up again before the result of the budget statement, aren't they? Possibly, we'll we'll see. But I mean, the point of the budget statement is 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 to try and bear down on interest rates and inflation. So, yes, of course. Uh, that's, I mean, you that's wouldn't. What he's, that's you wouldn't what want he's to. Doing. Ac- yeah, you wouldn't. That's yeah, but you wouldn't. Yeah, but I'm hang not, on. I'm not here as the prime minister's spokesperson. You're beginning but, to sound like it. <laughs> I can I mean, say that great, that is what he's focused on. But the on. great thing with you, John, is that you end up coming in here to defend Conservative Party politics <laughs> and policy <laughs> against me uh, because I don't think they're doing it right. Because at the end of the day, well, what do you think they should be doing? Well, I think they should be cutting taxes. That's what I think they should be doing. We tried. We tried that. No, we, Mike. we had a seven-week no. real-world no. experiment no. in cutting taxes. No, it did, how, no. how did that work? Out? No, because the taxes were not actually cut, were they? They were just announced no, the annou- as cuts, and yes. then everybody went, "Oh my God, that's a bad idea!" Yes. And then suddenly, the money that they didn't like was, and the, that was and being what spent. Did, what happened in the markets? The markets went bananas, right? And how do you how do you deal with the markets? Well, you should have. Well, they should have prepared the ground better, as everybody says. The point is this: the, the, you can't just blame rubbish. You can't blame. No, you I'm can't sorry, say. You're talking. You're no, talk- you can't say that. That's unfair. You, no, you're, listen, you're, to, well, just, listen, you're just listen. saying you want you no. want lower taxes. No, I don't care what the consequences are. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying, though, however, is that you cannot blame something that didn't happen on the state we are now in you can't blame something that didn't actually get uh, actioned for ruining the economy when it was simply the idea of doing yes but, but if you announce something if you announce something that's a terrible idea and the markets react then that means it's a terrible idea no, and doesn't. you shouldn't do it it means the markets don't like it Yes, so you shouldn't do it. It doesn't mean it's that, very simple. No, because the markets should not be governing the economy. The well, government the, but they, should they, be they governing do the govern economy. the economy. No, they don't actually, because they don't do that in America. They don't do that in other countries of, course of they the world. Do. No, they don't. I've been talking to a lot of people in America about this as well, by the way. And the reason why their inflation is not anywhere near ours is because basically well, because they've got their they, own oil. No, it's, well, they've one, they've got their own oil. So have we. We just don't use it. Uh, they've also got their That's own not gas. True, Mike. Well, we don't. We stopped. We, we we closed off exploration of the North Sea, didn't we? Yes. So we don't use it, do we? Well, but there isn't much left. I don't want to accuse you of. There's loads left. You must be joking. Anyway, let's talk about something other than that because we're <laughs> going to run out of time. Who will be the winners and losers in the autumn statement, and what does it mean for your mates in the Labour Party, and what will they say? Well, they're they're going to be left with very little to say because what Rishi Sunak's going to do, what Jeremy Hunt is going to announce. Is uh, is precisely what a Labour government would do at this at this stage, and there, is, and there which, my friends, which, which is, is to is the proof in the pudding, the greatest burden on, no. the, on the people yeah, with the so broadest shoulders. The, so there's the proof in the pudding. They are now operating as a Labour government. No, they're operating as a centrist. The centrist. Well, you just said. And, you just for, said for Blairites, it's it's it's, Chris, it's it's basically Christmas. You just, yeah, choice but, between between Rishi Sunak, who's a Blairite, mm. and 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 Keir Starmer. Well, you just said Labour so, wouldn't do anything different. That's how centrist politics works. It's, so it's, it's so marvelous. we might as well. Why don't they just join forces and we can have no government at all well, because, except for the because same because one? There are different. There are different priorities uh, in in the centre of in the centre of politics, and you can choose you can choose your left wing variety or your right. How is the Labour Party different from the Tory Party right now? Well, I think they're going to uh, they're going to abolish non don status. I think that's the uh, the Labour Party. Yeah, that's the most that's important it. difference. Although I, th- I suspect Jeremy Hunt may may abolish non-dom status tomorrow anyway, and, mm. and, and shoot that particular fox. Right. But no, there are there are differences. I mean, whatever whatever Jeremy Hunt says on the windfall tax, Labour will say it's not enough, and we'd put it up higher. Right. So we're stuck, aren't we? We're stuck with a political system that no, doesn't work. We've for got people. a political system which 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 comes back to the centre ground, which is where 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 politicians should be. Well, that's where you want them to be, but that's not where everybody wants them to be. That's the unfortunate well, truth, isn't it? If, because well, people could, well, ought to have a surely people ought to have a choice of who they vote for, and when they vote for that well, organisation, they, they should be different yes, from each other. They, well, but they are. Admitted, they are a bit. You've just admitted that they're not. Well, they're, they, no, they're, they're not. not they're they? not too different, and 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 that's a good thing because because if you get too different. You see what happens. You see, you see what, what happened happens? to Liz Truss. Yeah, you see what happened to Liz Truss. It didn't work. She, well, she didn't have a chance to let it work, but that's another <laughs> story. We'll come back in a minute. Uh, John Rental is here defending the Conservative Party because they're just like the Labour Party. This is where we now are, ladies and gentlemen. There is simply no difference. You have no choice. So just get used to it and shut up. This is Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. We're looking ahead to tomorrow's budget statement. It's going to kick off at 10.30 right here on this show. The Independent Republican Mike Graham, uh, Jeremy Hunt will get up and they expect him, do they not, John? John Rental's here with us uh, to hold on to the triple lock, we Absolutely, think. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, There's no way you could get through, uh, through a, a cut through Parliament. Mm. Benefits going to go up. Yeah, same, same, in line with prices. And yeah. taxes are going to kind of remain the same, which will mean people will pay more tax effectively. Well, taxes are going to go up, yeah. Mm. So uh, where no, will he no put question. taxes up, do you think? Uh, well, I mean, on there's a, there's a report that he's going to 
uh, lower the threshold for the top rate of tax, right. 45p. That's going to come down to 125,000 uh, a and year. And what is it at the moment? 150. 150. Right, okay. Uh, which is exactly the sort of thing that uh, that you would expect a Labour government to do. Yeah. Uh, but Labour haven't even been calling for it. So, no. Uh, so They've gone a bit quiet, haven't they? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, he's going to extend the windfall tax, uh, and Labour will say he hasn't extended it enough. Um, and there's going to be various other stealth taxes. I mean, the main stealth tax, is, of course, is not indexing uh, income tax and national insurance thresholds with inflation. Right. Nobody knows what that means, though, do they? When you say <coughs> it like that, I mean, it, it means sounds... You, it means you pay more. Well, it means if, if your pay goes up... People have been um, paying less and, national insurance, haven't they? And wages have been going up. Yes, people have... Uh, I mean, the, the national insurance cut that, that Kwasi Kwarteng uh, brought in uh, actually, this month in November, yeah, um, will will stay. But uh, so that was a good idea then. What the national insurance cut? Yeah. Well, except that everything it's got to be recouped elsewhere. So right. um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it was. But I'm looking at um, what is being said to drive inflation, and according to uh, the Spectator's analysis and the data, uh, housing and household services has driven 93 percent of the of the one percentage point rise in the last month. Um, and the rest of it is all down to, you know, food and non-alcoholic food beverages. Is, uh, is, 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 a big, is a big point. It's not a big point. It's, it's 0.18 yeah. as, as opposed to 0.93. But I'm not entirely sure what housing and household services is. What is well, that? People's mortgages starting to go up, I, yeah. sus I suspect. And once they go um, up even more, that'll be even tighter of a squeeze on people, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the, the mortgage the mortgage problem is, is huge, mm. but it's not affecting... I mean, it's affecting millions of people, but not, not, not lots of lots of millions because yes. it only affects you when when your fixed rate expires. Mm. But an awful lot of people will have that problem over over time. Oh yeah, and, and it, and it's, it's going to be a very very serious very yeah. serious problem over the next uh, over the next two years. I mm. mean, to, to go into an election uh, on the back of that is going to be extremely difficult for, yeah. the, for the government, unless they can manage to get it under control by then, which is unlikely, I suppose, isn't it? Well, that sort of depends on international. Um, energy prices to a large yeah. extent because that's that's uh, that's a huge amount of. Inflation. But I was listening to Russell Quirk talking with Julia this morning, who was saying that basically the wholesale price of natural gas right now is thirty percent of what it was. Yeah. Um, even a few weeks ago. Well, it has come down, uh, and that's uh, and that's because suddenly there's there's, there's a oversupply, but yeah. it's it's probably a temporary. It's probably a temporary thing. I don't, yeah. I, I'm not an expert on, on long-term yeah, long natural gas prices. All I know is that whenever it comes down, it doesn't actually seem to have any effect <laughs> at all. But when it goes up, it's always like, oh, my God, we'll have to put it up. Let's have a look at uh, Joe Biden. Um, he was talking today about the uh, Russian missile strike, which wasn't, it turns out, a Russian missile strike. Here's what he said. And I'm going to make sure we figure out exactly what happened. And then we're going to collectively determine our next step as we investigate and proceed. It's unlikely in the minds of the trajectory that it was fired from Russia, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, obviously that's a calming sort of uh, um, statement to put out there, but last night there was certainly a lot of people jumping up and down going, my God, the Russians have struck at Poland, there's going to have to be some kind of retaliation. Yeah. But it doesn't look as though that was the case, does it? No, I think, I think there's been a bit of, a, bit of an overreaction. Um, I mean, you don't want to minimise it because uh, you know people were killed. But uh, um, this is the sort. It of It looks thing. like more of a mistake. Isn't yeah, it, it looks words? like it looks like a. It probably was a Ukrainian missile uh, or a sort of anti-missile missile from from Ukraine aimed yes. at, aimed at stopping a a Russian uh, missile coming into Ukraine. Right. And, and there were a lot of those last night, killing killing far more people. Mm. Um, and uh, that, that's what it, that's what it looks like collateral damage of uh, of a war that uh, that is Russia's responsibility. Yeah, indeed. And I guess the other thing that's waiting in the wings for Rishi Sunak when he comes back from his gallivanting around the world um, is all the strikes. I mean, yeah. there hasn't been a strike. I think I'm pretty sure I came into work so then there wasn't a strike. So that was a, that was a first, right? Um, but I presume there's more RMT strikes coming. There's a civil service strike coming. Well, the nurses um, there's is there's a the nurses big one. strike which I think won't happen because I don't think that in all conscience, good conscience, they will actually go on strike knowing that they could put people well, they really, at risk. They, they, they really don't want to, but yeah. they're at their wits' end. because. Well, uh, they say they are, but I mean, an awful lot of people didn't vote for a strike, so no. they don't really have a massive mandate to do it anyway because an awful lot of health authorities didn't reach the required number to even say yes. No, that's right. So they what they don't have is a load of people who want to go on strike. No, that's true. And Steve Barclay, to his credit, is actually talking to the, to, to the unions in, yeah. in, in a way that some of his predecessors uh, refused to do. Mm. So uh, I, th I think I think there is there is hope that there will be some kind of 
sensible uh, negotiation. Right. But of course, the Labour Party again are kind of all over the place on this because they're not sure whether they're, they're in favour. The well, they are. They're not. In, they're not sure if they're in favour of strikes or not. You ask Keir Starmer a question, and he very rarely answers it. Yeah, well, no, he, sa he says that you know, both sides should get round the table. He goes for the... Well, so he's standard. not in favour of a strike, well, that's, then? That's, that's, what, that's what I say to you if you ask me if I'm in favour of it, because uh, you know, I, think, I think a 17% uh, pay demand is, uh, is, a, is a bit over So the if top. I said to you, do you think nurses should strike, what do you say? I think no. Well, he, well, he doesn't say that, though, does he? He says, oh, they should all get round the <laughs> table. He's yeah. incapable of answering a straight question. With no, that's, a straight not, that's not true. He was, he was asked about those uh, Just Stop Oil people gluing yeah. themselves to the roads, and he said, get up and go home. So... You know, sometimes he's 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 very straight with yeah. his, uh, with with interviewers. Mm. Well, I didn't see that one. Must have been while I was. Oh, away. that was that was while you were away. That was it was a strike. Well, that's the world's uh, first. A striking, I'm you didn't a striking moment. But yeah, Keir Starmer gave a straight answer to it. Well, there a you go. Question. First time for everything. But I mean, the problem that he that he's going to have over the course of time in still still can, trying to contain the Labour Party as one unit. Um, is there are people in the party who think striking is great and who go and join picket lines and support people and yeah. who also think just the board are doing the right thing? Well, well, there are, I'm not sure about that. So there much. are plenty I of mean, them who will offer their support for their cause. He, uh, he has just kicked out a, uh, a Labour councillor who who was uh, taking part in some of those just just stop oil oh, really? uh, protests. So, oh really? Well, that's good. So I think uh, I mean I think the, the the official front bench position is is pretty clear on all that, mm. and, and I do think it is it is pretty pathetic for the for the government to try and blame Labour for, um, for, for unions, most of whom aren't even affiliated to the Labour Party, going on strike uh, under a, under well, a certainly RM, government. Certainly the RMT aren't, are they? No, the RMT aren't, the, the RCN, the Royal College of Nursing, that's not, that's not affiliated to the Labour Party. Mm. Um, so, you know, there isn't even uh, that connection that you, you can make. Right. Um, so, you know, these, to, these are the government's problems right. and the government ought to sort well, them out. Well, they are problems. I don't know whether the government caused them, but they do have to sort them out because they are the government. Um, but just to annoy you, I'm going to play a Donald Trump clip now because um, <laughs> Donald Trump is Must running you. to be president. And, I, you know, I can't let John go without watching uh, his um, nemesis here, Mr. Donald Trump, uh, former president of the United States, maybe the next president. Two years ago, when I left office, the United States stood ready for its golden age. Our nation was at the pinnacle of power, prosperity, and prestige, towering above all rivals, vanquishing all enemies, and striding into the future, confident and so strong. In four short years, everybody was doing great. Men, women, African Americans, Asian Americans, Hispanic Americans, everybody was thriving like never before. <laughs> See? He didn't actually say he was running there. I he thought didn't. you were going to play the clip where he said he, he said he was going to run. Um, no, he, he, you played the clip where he said... Uh, everything was great. Know, everything him. was great when I left yeah. when, when I left it. And uh, look at it now. Yes. Uh, well, he that, does have a point. I'm not sure he does, to be honest. But uh, well, it was better then than it was now. And it is now, wasn't it? Well, uh, was it? I, I, nothing much... Yeah, nothing much has, uh, has, has happened since. Well, nothing's honest, got better, though. has it? Let's put it no. that way. Well, I mean, the energy, the energy price crisis is the main. Yes, is the main thing. But actually, but there's more um, inflation, right? There's yeah. less job security. Uh, internationally, the world is a much more dangerous place than it was when he was in charge. So I'm not all of, sure about that. Well, I am. There wasn't a war in Ukraine when he was in charge. The Iranians <laughs> were. Well, it wasn't um, Joe Biden's to, fault that there's a war in Ukraine. I well, put you it say that way. well, it might be. The it, point is, well, it is, might be Donald Trump's fault because Donald Donald uh, Donald Trump withdrew um, from Afghanistan. Uh, well, no, he didn't. Biden withdrew from Afghanistan. Well, Biden had to had to had to complete that yeah. process. No, no. Uh, but it was it was John Donald Trump's decision which might have signalled. Uh, no, oh, what? So to, you're now uh, going to say Vladimir that Putin. when President Biden came in, he did things that Donald Trump wanted him to do? Well, he, well no. Donald Trump had already set in no. motion. Uh, I'm not. I'm not having this. Something that was, <laughs> that this was parallel. That was anyway, welcome but, to Rentals Parallel point, Universe. <laughs> well, it's a very, it's a, it's a much better place than. Uh, than the, the, the Liz Truss uh, parallel. You see, that's that you, all you've you, got. You prefer I don't know why you keep attacking in. somebody who was only in power for about five weeks well, because you and he didn't manage her, to do you, anything. You think the only thing she did she did wrong was to try and do that's too right. much at once. And you'll never know the answer to that because at the end of the day, no, I, she I didn't have a chance. She, she didn't have a chance to do it. But anyway, never mind. She you, blew it up. You, no. You are out of time, I'm afraid. I, however, am not out of time, uh, but it's very nice to see you. Uh, John Rental will be back again at some point uh, for more of John Rental's Parallel Universe. This is Talk TV. On your mobile, on your wavelengths, Talk Radio and Talk TV. News Talk. Money. 
Good morning and welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. I'll tell you what, it is good to be back, I must say. The sky has now cleared. It was raining, pouring when I came in this morning, but now there's blue sky rising above the, uh, uh, the clouds here at the world headquarters uh, of Talk TV because it's an, an awful lot going on today. And we're coming up, we're going to speak to Piers Morgan. Uh, he's got an incredible exclusive tonight. Uh, you might have read about it. It's been trending uh, on Twitter for about the last three days. 90 Minutes with Ronaldo. It starts at 8pm tonight. It's also tomorrow night as well, exclusively on on Talk TV. Cristiano Ronaldo talking about his time at Manchester United, how he feels about the club, but also uh, he talks for the first time about the loss of his son. What was that like for you, that, that time in your life? It's probably the worst moments that I passed through my life since my, my father died, you know. Uh, when you have a kid that you expect that everything will be normal and you have that uh, problem, it's, it's hard, you know. As human being that I am in Georgina, we had quite difficult moments because we don't understand why happened to us. Uh, was difficult, to be honest, was, was very, very difficult to, to understand what's going What's going on in that in that period of our life? As you know, the football carry on. They are so fast, many competitions. The football don't stop. We are many, many competitions. And pass through in that moment was probably the most difficult moment that I had in my life. Me and my my family, especially Gio, that was was tough. Incredible uh, interview, Piers. Good morning to you. Um, Absolutely a fascinating look inside the uh, the world of a, of a man who's possibly one of the richest men on the planet, but who's yeah. in the end sitting there just as a father. Yeah, I mean, I think that to me is the most kind of powerful part of the whole interview, actually. You know, football's one thing and all the machinations around that and his views about Manchester United and so on. Uh, but I think to in the middle of, of all this turmoil on the pitch to then have to go through really a sort of unimaginable heartache where his girlfriend gave birth to twins and one lived and one died. Mm. I mean, you can't imagine it. And I think, yeah. you know, when he talks about the complexity of what emotions you feel in that moment, on the one side, desperate sadness, on the other, of course, great joy for the, the girl who survived. Mm. It's, uh, it's something none of us would ever want to go through. And then, as he points out, to then have to go straight back into playing endless more football matches you know, really, really difficult. Absolutely. And and it's been quite a, uh, an incredible reaction to the interview, which hasn't even aired yet, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody's talking about it. I see that he was, uh, some are suggesting, I don't know if you saw the clip, I'm sure you did, of him being snubbed when he arrives in the uh, the Portuguese dressing room uh, <laughs> with, with one of his Manchester United, I think it was Bruno, his Manchester United uh, teammate. Um, so, so it's already caused quite a lot of, um, shall we say, uh, interest around the world. Yeah, but that... Yeah, but that would be a, a classic example of what Cristiano talks about when he says people just always get these things wrong about him. Mm. He, he's, you know, he's the most followed human being on Instagram. He's got nearly half a billion followers. He'll right. pass that t- total in the next week or so, um, far ahead of anybody else. So he's an extraordinarily iconic figure. And, of course, with that, he understands it attracts unbelievable attention. And, indeed, he courts it. But on that particular video clip, you see that Bruno Fernandes, his teammate at Manchester United, comes in after the rest of the players and has what appears to be an awkward exchange with Ronaldo, uh, which everyone has interpreted to mean Bruno Fernandes' fury at Ronaldo over what happened because he's captain of Manchester United. In fact, as one of their teammates very quickly clarified, when Fernandes came in, Ronaldo said to him, because he came in last and was way after the others, how did you get here? By boat. <laughs> and at that point, Fernandes gave him a little sidewinder back and then they laughed about it later. So it was nothing to do with the uh, stuff that's been going on at United. Right. Everything to do with Fernandes turning up late. And that really, I think, is that sums it up to me. It's like yes. there are so many things. If you're as big as Ronaldo, so many things like that get amplified, yeah. misinterpreted and so on. Yeah. And yet the reality can be very different. But he's a much misunderstood character, a bit like yourself, Piers, then, in that case. Well, I think, yeah, I, I think so. And I think also hugely popular, Mike. Is that the, the second part of that sentence? Yeah, hugely popular in, in, in places. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I, I mean, a fascinating interview to do. But also, people would always like to know without giving away too many secrets. I mean, how do you get mm. an interview that's that big? Because, I mean, you can't just pick up a phone to Ronaldo, can you? No, well, it's, it's actually a fascinating story because I'd never met Ronaldo. And 
about three years ago, he suddenly messaged me on Instagram privately mm. out of the blue and just said, hello, sir, I really like your crime documentaries. Really? And he loves, he loves all my crime documentaries. Right. And as a result of that messaging, we, we exchanged a few messages. And then uh, he rang me and we had like an hour and a half chat about the crime docs right. and about other stuff and about Arsenal and so on. Because he nearly joined Arsenal when he was 18. Yeah. And, and we just got on really well. And then after a few months, I suggested we do an interview. He was at Juventus at the time. He, he agreed. I flew out to Turin, had an amazing uh, interview with him and also an extraordinary dinner with him afterwards for about four hours. This was my eldest son, right. uh, him, uh, Georgina and a couple of others. And he really liked that interview. And then we stayed in touch and we've become, I mean, I know it sounds odd and weird. It's a bit not for you. No, not, no, I know you well enough to know it's not at all weird for you to have friends like no. Ronaldo. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've become really good friends. And we, you know, we message each other most days. We chat on the phone quite a lot. And uh, uh, quite recently, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he just uh, contacted me to say, I want to do a big interview and I wanted to be with you. Right. And that was it. it was, really? He basically had, handed it to me on a plate, which is, um, you know, it, it was great. Uh, but at the same time, I was aware from all our contact and conversations in the last few months how he was feeling. So I knew this wasn't going to be any kind of soft soap interview. This yeah. was going to be a an incendiary uh, on the record. This is the truth by Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm. And that's exactly what it turned out to be. Yes. Well, it's fascinating stuff. It's on tonight, eight o'clock. I was very happy to see the BBC um, had to carry a clip uh, from your interview with Talk TV emblazoned all over their TV station, which was very good indeed. Um, but let's talk about yet another of your uh, interviewees, and that would be Mr. Donald Trump, who uh, announced yeah. yesterday, uh, as you said in your uh, in your tweet yesterday, you know, um, it would be madness for him to run for president. So it's probably what he's going to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, look, I, I, I don't think this is a smart call by Trump. I think the reality of the political landscape in America is that he backed a lot of very high profile people in the midterm elections mm. who then failed. And the common, the common theme between almost all of them was that they supported his ludicrous claim to have had the 2020 election stolen from him and that it was all a rigged election. Now, you may remember when I launched my show on Talk TV, yeah. I did a pretty explosive interview with him in which he erupted with fury over my statement that I didn't believe the storm election claims. But I also warned him in that interview, if you keep banging this drum about the past mm. and about the last election, I think it's going to make you unelectable uh, in 2024. And he's totally ignored me. He's ignored a lot of people like Mike Pence, his former vice president, mm. uh, Mitch McConnell, the head of the, of the Republicans in the Senate and so on. He's totally ignored all the people who've told him this. He's carried on banging this drum. All of his big picks, like I said, the midterms who supported that lie, the big lie, as it's become known, they all lost. So Trump has now been seen by the Republicans as a loser. And of course, this follows the fact that, yes, he had a spectacular win in 2016 out of nowhere, the least qualified uh, winner of the presidency in history, beating one of the most qualified candidates in Hillary Clinton. But at the last election, he not only lost the presidency, but the Republicans lost the Senate and the House. And they've had, actually, this time, they've, they've almost certainly retain the House. They might even retain the, uh, the Senate. I mean, they might even retain the House, which would be extraordinary. Now, it's unlikely they'll, they'll do both. But the fact they're even close is a very, very bad result for the Republicans. Mm. And a lot of the blame is going on Donald Trump. And I think the, the, the emerging superstar of the Republican Party is this guy, Ron DeSantis. I've been talking about him all year. He's a governor of Florida, hugely popular. He's turned Florida into a red state from a blue state. He's hugely uh, similar to Trump in many ways on policy. And of course, all of Trump's policies were very popular. It's Trump's style and mm. rhetoric which has always been the big Achilles heel for him. And DeSantis has none of that. He's quite statesmanlike by comparison. Uh, he you know, respects democracy and the democratic system. Uh, but he looks like a winner and he's almost half Trump's age. So I think if Trump continues to run as he has now announced he's going to, I think DeSantis will beat him to the nomination. So Trump will lose again. Could it be possible that Donald Trump is actually playing a blinder here by making out that he will run, but then sort of handing over the baton to, to DeSantis because he proves by running himself that DeSantis is a much better option? I, I think you're looking at that in fairly, <laughs> fairly rose-tinted spectacles, Mr. Graham. I don't think that's how Trump works. He's a supreme narcissist, and that's part of his appeal to a lot of people. Uh, but no, I think that he feels very threatened by DeSantis. He's already dubbed him wrong. Hi. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Demonius. Um, he's gone after him now a few times. DeSantis has just said, look at the scoreboard. Look at what happened in the midterms. He was the big winner and Trump was the big loser mm. with all his endorsements. So I, I think Trump's made a mistake here. Also, he's going to be nearly 80 himself yeah, by the time of the next election. Mm. And do you really want to have somebody of that age when if Biden was to run again, it should be easy pickings, I would have thought, for the Republicans to win if they have somebody younger and more dynamic than DeSantis. Mm. That is where, you know, you, I always think, Mike, you and I have followed American politics for decades, more than we'd like to admit uh, in terms of, yeah. uh, of time. And the truth is you follow the money. And where is all the Republican donor money going now? It's shifting from yeah. Trump to DeSantis. Yeah, absolutely right. Can't let you go without mentioning Matt Hancock. I'm told Gina Colodangelo is on her way out to Australia. Um, it might mm. be that he gets kicked out this weekend. I don't know. Uh, you, your show last night was uh, was very entertaining, uh, but also had a serious point from the cock in, yeah. uh, in his constituency. A lot of people very angry with him. Yeah, I mean, we went down to his, to his local pub, the Cock Inn. It's the infamous pub where the previous landlord, of course, suddenly got a 40-odd million pound contract to make PPE with no experience of making it uh, because Hancock uh, used to be someone that went in the pub. So it had a bit of infamy around the pub. But the, the new landlord told the story himself. He said, look, I'm about to go out of business potentially in this pub because of the energy prices and everything else. And where's my MP when I need his help most? He is in a jungle-eating kangaroo tentacles. Mm. And it's, to me, yeah, it's funny on one level, but it's not funny if you're a constituent in West Suffolk where he's paid £84,000 to do his job and simply isn't doing it. Mm. And I think the, you know, he brought a lot of ignominy to his constituency with this scandal involving uh, the affair you know, which broke lockdown rules. And now they're thinking he's piling on the humiliation whilst trousering £400,000 to do it. Uh, and, and being derelict in his duty to his constituents. And I think there's a lot of anger there. Yeah, I think so. Great stuff, Piers. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Piers Morgan, Uncensored tonight, 90 minutes with Ronaldo, 8pm uh, tomorrow night as well on Talk TV. Uh, this is the place to be uh, for all of these great interviews and these great shows. This is Talk TV. Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. We've got a packed show for you today. Rob Clark's coming up in the next hour to talk about the uh, the latest situation in Ukraine after that uh, firing of a missile into Poland, which caused the death of at least two people, a missile strike which now Russia denies responsibility for, uh, and which Joe Biden has more or less said uh, uh, it probably did not emanate from a Russian f- uh, force field of any kind, and it's probably more than likely to have been actually a defensive missile that may have been fired indeed by the uh, Ukrainians themselves. Also, we've got Prime Minister's questions. Peter Cardwell's here. We're going to go to Charlotte Edwards over in uh, Florida uh, for the launch of that missile. Sebastian Gorka as well. Jeremy Kyle will be on uh, to talk up his show, uh, which is at seven o'clock tonight, of course. Right now, though, let's talk to Christopher Snowden, Head of Lifestyle Economics at the IEA. Uh, we speak to Christopher on a regular basis uh, on economic fronts and on various other things. He wrote a big piece about the NHS this week as well, which we'll get to. Um, Christopher, let's talk a bit about the autumn statement tomorrow. We understand... Um, it's not going to be very pretty. Um, it might go on for a while. I'm trying to sort of desperately find reasons to pay attention to it. I mean, the only one being, of course, that will be on my show. Um, well, uh, yeah, it may go on a while. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot to deal with. I mean, Rumour has it that um, there's going to be some spending cuts and there's going to be some tax rises. And the tax rises are mainly going to be stealthy tax rises, mm. uh, using fiscal drag, exploiting the fact that we're now at 11% inflation, Therefore, people's incomes are going to go up in nominal terms, but not in real terms. But that will drag them into higher income tax brackets, as stamp duty, inheritance tax. Various people will be paying that who wouldn't otherwise pay it um, if uh, if these thresholds kept up with inflation. And, and there'll be some form of spending cuts, but I wouldn't get too excited about anything dramatic. I imagine it would be departments would be told to try and mm. trim a few percent off their budgets, which they may or may not do. I mean, presumably they will have a number in their heads. Jeremy Hunt will have a number, uh, which will be the amount of money he wishes to save. Um, but will we ever be told what that number is? 
Uh, he may actually announce that tomorrow. I really don't know, but it's possible he will because, um, you know, it's something that can be roughly calculated. We've heard, heard lots about the fiscal black hole and people are saying it's 30, 40, 50, 60 billion pounds. This very much depends on what economic growth is going to be, apart from various other factors over the next few years. And frankly, no one has any idea what economic growth is going to be. It's not going to be very strong. I mm. think most people would agree with that. Um, there isn't the, the pro-growth kind of um, rhetoric or dynamism of Liz Truss around Rishi Sunak. We put corporation tax up. These other tax rises aren't going to help. Spending cuts aren't going to help. But unfortunately, there isn't really much of a choice. We're at the end of the road here. Um, and so people who want to see more spending are going to have to tell us which taxes they want to rise. And people who want taxes to be cut are going to have to tell us what spending needs to go. And unfortunately, for many, many years now, we've believed uh, that it's possible to have lower taxes and higher spending. Well, it never really was. We only managed it through building up a mountain of debt, 2.5 trillion pounds now. Um, the deficit is enormous, even though COVID is, is long gone as a matter of public policy and restrictions. So uh, yeah, tough decisions, as politicians say, I'm afraid really are necessary this time. I, I think the black hole will be something around 30 billion pounds at yeah, and so there'll, there'll be a lot of fingers crossed and a lot of uh, hit and hope type scenarios, though, won't there? Because, of course, the economy in, say, six months' time could be completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, most of the predictions I've seen, projections for the, for the black hole, have assumed that, have assumed that the economic growth is going to be pretty feeble. If, if it wasn't, if economic growth was good, if it was 2 or 3%, imagine that, uh, that, that would completely change the picture. I mean, more or less wipe out the, the entire fiscal hole. You've also got to look at energy prices. You know, the one big element of the Liz Truss's notorious mini budget wasn't the, you know, cutting you know, income tax or getting rid of the, the 45p rate, let alone getting rid of irrelevant things like bankers' bonuses. It was the energy price guarantee. Mm which who knows what it's going to cost. It's been a very mild autumn so far, thank God. Um, but, you know, it only takes a very cold month for the whole picture to change in Europe in terms of energy bills. But, you know, whatever the wholesale cost is, the government has to, um, you know, make up the rest. On top of the fact, as everyone's already forgotten, that everybody in the country has been getting £400. Millions of people have been getting an extra £650, plus other various giveaways. This stuff obviously adds up. The government is probably looking at borrowing the thick end of two hundred billion pounds this year, mm. and it can't do it. And the experience with the with the mini budget showed that there are limits to how much you can borrow before the cost of borrowing goes right up. Yeah, absolutely right. As you say, people will be paying their electricity bills this month, thinking, "Oh, that's not as bad as I thought it was," having already forgotten that it's being subsidised by the government uh, or indeed uh, by ourselves. Let's talk a bit about what you wrote in the mail yesterday about the NHS winter crisis. You know, I always say, "How do you know there's a winter crisis in the NHS?" Because uh, they're warning about it in October. They do it every year. Uh, they seem to think this one's going to be worse, though, for some reason. But you're arguing that market forces or something else needs to happen before it gets any better. Yeah, well, I'm arguing that the NHS is always going to have a winter crisis. It always does. Other mm. countries don't. You know, other countries do have points which, you know, they, they get very busy. But they don't have a winter crisis every single year, starting, as you say, in October. And this one probably will be worse because we've still got the, uh, you know, the backlog. The mm. waiting lists are going up. The number of people waiting for operations is staggering now. I can barely keep up. Was it seven, eight million people? Well, it's seven million is... in, in the first instance. There's another further 10 million who've had one operation and need another one. Right. And this is you know, nearly 18 months after Freedom Day. This is you can't blame COVID for this anymore. COVID rates have been falling. There's very few people in hospital with uh, with COVID. Mm. Seems to me these waiting lists should have started to go down by now. Instead, they're accelerating. Um, and this is you know just one of many, many problems with the NHS. And I argue that this is not because of underfunding, as many people would say. We're one of the best funded health services in the world now. Yeah. Uh, it's had a huge cash injection over the course of the last three or four years. Um, it's you know we've it's seen a quantum leap really it's seen a step change in the amount of money it's got since 2019 and there's no realistic prospect of that falling back again this is part of the reason we have a fiscal black hole because we're pumping in you know tens of billions more into the NHS and it has to be paid for um, but it's not getting any better and this is this is my point it employs 1.3 million people you know it's an unbelievable leviathan I don't even think. The, uh, the the people who run the NHS fully understand, let alone can get a grip on the whole thing. And so I think what we need 
uh, is, is more of a price mechanism, more competition, more choice for patients, but also choice for staff. You've got the, the nurses are, are walking out on strike soon for the first time ever. And if you had a more competitive system, they could go, well, I don't like this hospital. I'm not getting paid mm. enough. I'll try my luck at a different hospital. So this system isn't working for anybody. And, uh, you know, the idea of privatizing it is absolutely toxic and will never happen. But some sort of, you know, uh, shake up which involves competition and gives people choice, gives patients mm. choice is the way forward. And I argue in the piece that the Tories will never do that. The Tories will just keep shoveling money at it yeah. because they're, they're so Yeah, terrified. because they're terrified of being accused of trying to sell it off, which is unfortunate. Chris, we've got to run. Thank you very much indeed. Chris Snowden, Head of Lifestyle Economics at the IEA. Coming up next, we're going to talk Ukraine and missiles. Fast Talk, Street Talk, Mike Graham. Fighting the good fight with all his might. Providing a welcome dose of common sense for the common people. Solid Talk, Hot Talk. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Online on DAB+, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. The world uh, is a very interesting place this morning. We've got the G20 going on, of course. Uh, Rishi Sunak turning down a meeting with Xi Jinping, uh, the leader of China, because of uh, what they're calling scheduling conflicts. Apparently last night uh, there was a lot of uh, very, very unhappy people, an awful lot uh, of nastiness going on because, of course, uh, it turns out that Poland was hit by a missile. The belief was initially that it was fired by Russia. Uh, the front page of the Times this morning says Russians blamed for fatal strike on Poland. Missiles killed two in escalation of Ukraine war. Um, the risk, of course, was that NATO would be dragged into the conflict. The word today uh, is that, in fact, Russia less likely to be the protagonist here, and it probably will end up being uh, a case of uh, a mistake being made uh, by the Ukrainians with one of their defensive missiles trying to stop a Russian missile somehow straying uh, into Poland. We'll be talking to Rob Clark, Director of Defence and Security uh, at Civitas, very shortly about that. Also, of course, we'll be going live to Florida, uh, where Charlotte Edwards is going to be there for us, telling us about the big uh, Artemis rocket launch that happened just in the early hours of this morning, uh, in fact, before this show began. Also, We'll be talking to Peter Cardwell. He's our uh, political editor, of course, because it's time for Prime Minister's questions. Rishi Sunak will not be back in time for that. Uh, so it's Dominic Raab versus Angela Rayner, which is a pretty interesting matchup, not least because of what's been said about uh, Dominic Raab over the course of the last few days. While I've been away in the United States of America, uh, you'd have to wonder whether or not actually uh, these allegations that have been made about how difficult he is to work for and how curt he has sometimes been with civil servants is actually a thing. Well, is it really not a thing, is it? 0344 499 uh, is the number to call us on as well. We'll take some calls in this hour too. We didn't manage to take any in the last hour. There's too much going on, quite frankly, uh, including, of course, Piers Morgan, um, uh, who's interviewing Cristiano Ronaldo tonight at 8 o'clock right here on Talk TV. Let's uh, take a trip to uh, what is happening in the war in Ukraine with Rob Clark, who's with Civitas. Rob, a very good uh, morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Mike. How are you? Yeah, very well indeed. A bit better, really, than I was probably when I went to bed because I uh, went to bed thinking that there might well be some pretty serious nastiness going on in the world if it turned out that Russia had, in fact, attacked uh, Poland deliberately. doesn't begin to look like that's the case. No, uh, thankfully not. Uh, the whole of Twitter was uh, quite a light last night with speculation over obviously World War Three, um, and this was amplified. The British public are understandably uh, concerned as to the ramifications of this this latest incident. It does appear um, to be a Ukrainian S three hundred surface to air missile that's either gone astray uh, trying to intercept Russian cruise missiles or uh, it's just uh, deflected and it's just a debris coming down. It's really important to note it's still really early days in terms of the investigation. Uh, the Polish authorities, the Americans are on the ground, NATO are involved, obviously. So there's a lot of uh, speculation, which is often unhelpful. But naturally, uh, it's important to discuss these issues, but with a sense of uh, delicacy, which they, they deserve, given the gravitas of the situation. Yeah, I don't think anybody in NATO wants it to be a Russian missile, do they? I mean, NATO really doesn't want to be dragged into this. No, and this is this is one of the biggest issues we've had all along since since the war began in, uh, in February, is the risk of escalation. We've got so many NATO borders with Ukraine, Romania, uh, Hungary, uh, Poland, obviously, and the Baltics where really the, the escalation is, is, is so intense that we have to we have to tread incredibly carefully. And thankfully, it appears that uh, NATO countries so far are doing so, Poland, Poland included. 
Um, and as far as the, uh, the G20 is concerned, I mean, obviously Rishi Sunak cancelled his meeting with the Chinese leader uh, on the basis of this incident, said there was a scheduling conflict, said that there were more important things to, uh, to discuss, I suppose. Um, in terms of the sort of strategic nature uh, of what's going on in Ukraine, would Biden have been better off having that conversation with China or not? Uh, I mean, naturally, they would have been positive. So having a conversation with, uh, with Xi Jinping, uh, if there were conflicts in schedules, then that's more than, than I'm aware of. Um, I think it's important to note while we're, while we're talking about Rishi Sunak and, and Xi Jinping and the, the, the Chinese stance, there's been a, uh, a remarkable shift in sort of uh, expected British uh, strategic thinking with, with regards to China. Uh, all year, we've been expecting a, a fundamental change in approach to how we how we deal with China and the language behind it, basically going from a systemic competitor to a threat, to national security threat, which which I for one strongly believe in. Uh, and so did the, the two previous prime ministers. Uh, and now we see this this incredible softening of uh, of the stance by by Rishi Sunak, mm. predictable potentially, but it will have ramifications for British security down the line, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Let's have a look at what Rishi Sunak actually said. We should all be clear. None of this would be happening if it weren't for Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This is the cruel and unrelenting reality of Putin's war. As long as it goes on, it poses a threat to our security and that of our allies. Rishi Sunak there talking uh, about the importance of remembering why, why we are here and, and how we got here. Uh, and I guess what this has done, Rob, is it's kind of concentrated people's minds on the possible uh, sort of destinations of what's happening in Ukraine. And if something like this was to happen, if there was to be a, a stray Russian missile that hit a NATO country, you know, what would NATO's reaction actually be? No, absolutely. It's the, like I said, the serious and the gravity of the situation. We're talking about... Uh, obviously, the escalation up to nuclear nuclear warfare with with Russia, who have already uh, demonstrably uh, advocated the use of nuclear weapons in in Ukraine. Um, in terms of NATO's next steps, so I believe Poland have issued uh, the the Article Four clause in the treaty, which is any any member NATO uh, country can do so if they feel threatened uh, territorially. Uh, so NATO ambassadors uh, have met have met this afternoon and this morning in Brussels, where they'll be discussing next steps. Uh, crucially, it's important to take in uh, Russia's narrative. Russia have obviously denied that this has happened. And like I say, it does look increasingly likely this is a, a Ukrainian uh, stray missile. Uh, if that's the case, there's still uh, protective steps that NATO can and indeed should take. Mm. So we could include uh, or expect to include uh, a significant uplift of uh, NATO uh, defensive weaponry to Ukraine and indeed to Poland uh, to actually guard the border uh, properly. This is something that we've been trying to advocate uh, all year. Uh, and it's ironically enough, when President Biden was vice president under uh, Obama, uh, he was advocative of uh, reducing uh, American missile shields uh, and American missile uh, counter batteries mm. in Poland uh, around about 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, and they withdrew those under Russian, uh, under Russian insistence. So it's ironic how 10 years later mm. we're in this situation that could have been avoided when yeah. President Biden was vice president. Yeah, because I was under the impression that they had taken delivery in Ukraine uh, of some of those missile batteries, new ones, not the Patriot missiles that they used uh, back in uh, the, sort of the Gulf War days, but the, whatever the new version of that is, which presumably would be in Ukraine, but not in Poland. No, absolutely. So there's, there's been a huge uplift uh, in, in Ukraine, like you say, um, but that's really geared towards the front lines mm. and trying to protect population centres. When we're looking at how to protect NATO and how to avoid the escalation into a wider conflict with NATO, because make no mistake, if, if there is a deliberate attack on a NATO member like like, like Poland, uh, then, then there will be a collective uh, NATO military response. Mm. Uh, so the whole point is to try to avoid getting that far. Uh, and by properly defending the border regions uh, with Poland, with Hungary, uh, then you know we we can we can try and uh, reduce the likelihood of that happening. But but this has to happen. Uh, and, uh, and it just further demonstrates that none of this will be happening at all. Uh, we, we, I've seen some really dangerous narratives uh, being, put, uh, being peddled in the last sort of 10 hours regarding, oh, we should, we should be more mindful of blaming Russia. It wasn't a Russian missile. It's like, no, but they were still caused by uh, Russia firing about 100 missiles and cruise missiles on Ukrainian population centres. So it's important to note that we still need to protect 
the Ukraine is against that threat. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, there's only one reason to fire a defensive rocket, and that's if you've been attacked. So, I mean, it's pretty exactly. straightforward, really, isn't it? But there we are. Rob, thanks very much indeed. Rob Clark, we're Director of Defence and Security Unit uh, at Civitas, talking about how important it is that the uh, wrong conclusion is not jumped to. Trouble is, in this world, lots of people want to jump to lots of conclusions very, very quickly because it's the only thing they really understand. Uh, I was going to talk to John in Dorset, but he's gone. Um, I'll tell you what we'll do now instead uh, is we'll take some uh, some views from the big wide world world out there. Uh, Jody says this, Mike, Labour keep blaming the government for the NHS crisis. That is not strictly true. The government, uh, we pay governors to manage the NHS and it's their mismanagement and obscene salaries to middle managers that have caused the downfall of the NHS. Well, that's what I think. I always say this, right? There's a reason why the NHS doesn't work. And the reason it doesn't work is because the people that run it don't know what they're doing. It's that simple. Anna says this, regarding Dominic Raab, having worked for years in offices for demanding bosses who were a little brusque, I must say the civil servants are becoming very thin-skinned. Get over yourselves. Well, exactly right. People are complaining now that Dominic Raab used to be a bit curt with them, apparently. I mean, if curtness was a problem, I'd probably be in prison. 0344 499 uh, is the number to call. We'll come back to your calls coming up very shortly. But while we're on the subject of the G20... Let's have a look at this. Um, uh, I can't have trouble reading this. Reuters, uh, the tangent about both. Sorry? Uh, maybe try that one one more time, shall we, Joe? Um... Uh, I can't have trouble reading this. Reuters, uh, the tangent about both. What? Should we try one more time? Go for the third one, Joe. Um, uh, I can't have trouble reading this. Reuters, uh, the tangent about both. Yes. Well, uh, people who say they don't want Donald Trump because he's too old. I mean, this is what we have at the moment. Uh, Biden talking in Bali there uh, after his meeting with China's Xi Jinping. Um, He took four pre-approved questions. I'm not sure what that was the answer to, but he was having trouble reading it. There we are. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the free world, the United States of America, Joe Biden. I mean, how about this uh, from Pablo? Whatever the outcome of the next US presidential election, Mike, I will always feel grateful to Donald Trump for saving the world from Hillary Clinton. I think that's a very noble cause, that, saving us from Hillary Clinton, a very good idea. Uh, Coming up next, we'll be back in the United States of America, in Florida to be precise, uh, because Charlotte Edwards is going to be there, Assistant Technology and Science Editor uh, for The Sun over in the US of A. Uh, She's going to be telling us all about the Artemis One rocket launch. This is Talk TV news that's fit to print and some of it uh, which is even fit to say uh, and to see uh, coming up in the next hour we're going to be having our prime minister's questions because peter cardwell will be here rishi sunak of course is still away uh, in indonesia in bali to be precise so unfortunately he won't be able to um do anything uh, Prime Minister's questions-wise. So it might actually be a bit more interesting today because Dominic Raab and Angela Rayner will be up against one another. Uh, and that is, of course, a much better prospect, I guess you would have to say, than anything else. But let's talk a little bit about some other news out there before we take any of your calls. Um, because a story has come across the desk in which it says that reducing speed limits to 20 miles an hour doesn't actually make anything any safer little impact on road safety, according to a new report from Queen's University in Belfast and the University of Edinburgh as well. Cutting speeds on urban roads to 20 miles an hour does not actually make it safer. Now, those of you who have been um, infested with 20 mile an hour zones, which is now most of London and certainly very large parts of most cities of this country, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Because you're driving quite often down a road which can easily handle a car going faster. I'm not talking about near schools. I'm not talking about near pedestrian areas which are busy. I'm not talking about around places where there might be shops and parking and zebra crossings. But there's an awful lot of roads in this country which are 20 mile an hour zones, which shouldn't be, right? And basically, the report recommended that 20 mile an hour limits could be combined with other measures such as driver training, CCTV 
and police communications in order to facilitate an ambitious culture change that shifts populations from the car-dominant paradigm. What language are these people talking? The car-dominant paradigm. Yeah, there's a reason there's a car-dominant paradigm. The reason is that people need their cars to get around. They need their cars to put their shopping in. They need their cars to put their dog in. They need their cars to put their children in. And they need their cars to go to places where you can't get to without a car, which is most places in Britain, believe it or not. Most places in Britain don't have decent public transportation. Most places in Britain don't have the possibility for cycling to go, you know, if you want to go 60 miles in a day, you're not going to go on a bike, are you? Even some of my most hardline cyclist friends today admitted they didn't come into work on a bike, partly because it was so horrible. The weather was awful. It was raining. It was wet. It was nasty. So they don't go on the bike then. They drive a car because in a car you don't get wet. In a car, you don't get soaked to the skin. You don't get a cold. In a car, you're protected. 20 mile an hour limits for most of the places where they are imposed are not doing the job that they said they were going to do, which was basically to reduce safety. So now what they're going to try is just get rid of the car altogether. Never mind 20 mile an hour zones, just make them pedestrian zones. That's what the cities and the city fathers and mothers will do, because that's what they like. They like a war on the motorist. They like a war on the general public, particularly the majority of the general public, that need a car to get around. It's all very well if you live in London and you can get a tube train or the Elizabeth Line. I was at uh, Heathrow Airport yesterday and I came out, I thought I might try the Elizabeth Line, came out of the uh, customs hall, went down to where the trains were. Next Elizabeth Line train, 13 minutes. No chance. Just not doing it. So I got the Heathrow Express and jumped in a cab with a very nice Australian man who knew who I was. We had a very nice chat. And uh, it was a much better way to get around. Why? Because I had two suitcases. I didn't fancy going on a bike with them. See what I'm saying? Anyway, we'll take your calls. 0344 499 is the number. Let's talk to John, who's in Dorset. Hello, John. Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Uh, just negotiated a flooded bridge. but. Uh... Oh, yeah. Well, of course, anyway. it does rain in this country quite a lot. And because they don't know what they're doing, there's a lot more flooding. Well, we're living in the Regal Valley. They've built two housing developments on the edge of the village, both which are underwater when I first came here. They're not underwater now. It's all pushed out onto the road. Well, that's, so, uh, that's not really an improvement, is it? Well, <laughs> it is for Dorset Council. Well, I suppose so. But, I mean, the thing I learned when I had a house in Wiltshire, which flooded on a regular basis thanks to a farmer uh, who decided to plough a field that was behind all the houses, which used to be fallow, is that water has to go somewhere. It needs yeah. to be either rerouted uh, or, you know, put into a place where it can sit, like a pond. But basically, you can't mess with it. It will always flood somewhere. Too simple. Mm. Yeah, common sense, Local I'm afraid. Government doesn't work like that as well, you know, Mike. Yes, I know. So what do you want to talk to me about? I have two points. The first, um, I listened to an interview with John Ashworth, his usual wisecracking self about the nasty Tories and how they've got it all wrong. Yes, about the Rochdale incident with the little boy. Yes. It was awful. It shouldn't have happened. I'd just like to remind him a little bit of history. After the Reform Act of 32, Rochdale, prominently Labour and Liberal, saw uh, um, thing for two decades. Right. And it's always been remissible. And during that time, in a number of Labour governments. Now, blaming it on the Tories might seem the good thing to do, but it ignores history. Mm. And it ignores Labour's responsibility. My second point... Well, the Rochdale incident is surely, uh, purely and simply, a, a local council problem. It's nothing to do with the government in Westminster, has it? It's a Labour council I'm talking about. I, OK, it's been a Labour MP, but it's been predominantly a Labour council. Yes, but what I'm saying um, is it's not a national problem that the government could fix. It's a local problem that the local no, council should fix. No, typically Rational Ashworth, blame yeah. the government. My second point was I heard an advert from Joe Brand for Crisis at Christmas mm. begging us to give 25 quid. Now, there are some that will, as they are for goodwill for people less fortunate. Yeah. But why is it we're begging the public who are facing probably the worst time ever to give 25 quid when the Home Office will happily shell out 150 quid a day for mm. an immigrant? Yeah. It, it's, it's illogical and, you know... We have a socialist government. We do. They might call themselves 
Yeah, well, this is it. I mean, John Rental more or less admitted it today, and then I think he realised what he'd done and tried to sort of <laughs> go a bit quiet. But yeah, in fact, I in actual, snagged him nice. In actual fact, you know, we are where we are because we don't have any choice. It's ridiculous. John, your line's not great, so I'm going to let you go. Thank you very much for your thoughts, though. Paul's in Derbyshire. Hello, Paul. Oh, hi, Mike. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Good man. What can I do for you? Um, there's a bit of a conspiracy theory that I kind of wanted to float with you. It's a bit okay. of my thoughts on this attack on Poland. Yes. Um, so I don't think Russia did it. I think it was probably part of the missile defences from the Ukraine. Yeah. That but seems to be Poland the general consensus. Yeah, that's right. But I think Poland's going to basically go to NATO and you know get this Article 4 thing and basically say we need protecting. Mm. And I'm thinking what they're going to put, because Poland's been itching to help Ukraine out for a long time. Right. So they want to get involved and, and help out. And I think there's going to be some sort of no-fly zone over Poland mm. and over just a little part of the Ukraine. I think basically the, the, the live part. Yes. Uh, is it the Lviv? I'm not sure if I pronounced yeah. it correctly. Well, is, isn't so it the case, though, that there sort of is a no-fly zone over any NATO country, isn't there? Because that's why the NATO forces are actually on the borders. That's right, but I think they're going to extend it. What I'm trying to say is, right, I think mm. they're going to extend it into the Ukraine. Okay. And obviously, Russia has said that that's a bit of a no goal. That's kind of a red line, not mm. to cross. But I think Poland and NATO are going to say, we're putting it a little bit into Ukraine mm. because these missiles are flying over. So, you know, you don't start firing missiles anywhere near Lviv that way you've yes. not got a chance of straying over into Maybe. Poland. But the problem is, it's a foot in the door for NATO into Ukraine. That's my point. Yes. Well, I think NATO have been quite careful not to do that in the past. So, you know, I'd be surprised if they did one. But also, two, when they were talking earlier about getting a no-fly zone, and one of the reasons why um, NATO didn't impose it over Ukraine was actually it might harm Ukrainian defence more than it would harm Russian attack. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's a valid point. But, mm. you know, again, you know, it, it, the, the thing is changing so often, isn't it? I, I think every week there's there's a different twist and a different turn. And I just kind of think that this would kind of give NATO and the Americans a foot in the door yeah. and a reason to Could do. More, have more of a presence in Ukraine. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, listen, we'll be talking about that this afternoon on Putin's war, uh, which is a little thing we do on YouTube here at Talk TV. So um, we'll bring that up, certainly, uh, with our advisors. We've got a special guest uh, coming today as well, Andy McNabb, um, former uh, soldier, SAS man, of course. Uh, he's going to give us his views on what's happening there uh, and how it's all going to possibly end up. 0344 499 1000. A lot of you got things to say um, about 20 mile an hour. Carol Decker, Mike, the embankment 20 miles an hour. Bloody ridiculous under that plank Sadiq Khan. It's true. Uh, madness, says uh, Mike, the 20 miles per hour is more about control and making it more difficult to have a car, just like all the other crazy anti-car nonsense. And if I was going 60 miles an hour in a petrol car and my body crossing the road has a choice to help themselves due to noise, electric silent killers at 10 miles an hour uh, should maybe make a noise, like a quack. Well, do you know, they did do that, didn't they? They made electric cars have a sort of engine noise at the beginning when they first came out because nobody could hear them and nobody knew they were coming. And people were getting run over by them quite considerably, quite a lot. But we'll talk more about cars and speed limits and all the rest of it. Also, we will talk as well, of course, to Peter Cardwell. Prime Minister's questions coming at midday, uh, this time with Angela Rayner and Dominic Raab. Might actually be fun. This is Talk TV. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio.